This is the Future of Digital Art podcast, brought to you by Sachi Art. This show is dedicated to empowering emerging artists by helping them better understand how they can use technology to expand their art offerings. In each episode, we'll interview successful NFT artists, collectors, and digital art influencers. They'll share insights on how the art world is changing, how they got involved in digital art, art NFTs, the creator economy, and actionable advice that you can use to grow your portfolio and win at the future of digital art. I'm your host, Capucin Jenkins, curator of digital art and NFTs at Saatchi Art. Now let's dive right into the show we have planned for you today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of the Future of Digital Art podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Emily Keurig, co-founder at True Stars NFT. She's also an NFT degen collector. Thanks for chatting with us today, Emily. Uh, hey, happy <laughs> Yeah, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, so as you mentioned, I started out in this space two years ago when the pandemic hit, and I got in through crypto and just buying and investing for myself. I saw how the market was growing over the next six months or so. And that's really when NFTs started to take off. And I got into the NFT DGEN communities. So that was sort of like the beginning of my experience in the Web3 space. So before I got into NFTs, before I got into crypto or Web3, I was an artist. I went to art school and studied traditional fine art, painting. I did my MFA at the New York Academy of Art. And so I come from a really traditional fine art background, obviously. I'm definitely going to ask you about that. (laughs) You know, to the horror of like a lot of my peers in the traditional fine art world, I got into NFTs and I just see it as a really exciting, fun, new innovative space, mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to break in and get yourself known. I think there are a lot of opportunities. So yeah, that's just a little bit of background. Awesome. That's great. Well, we're really excited to have you. Do you want to tell us a little more about the work you do? Maybe even the DJ community, what it's like collecting? Yeah. So like I said, I started out buying crypto. Then I got into NFTs through Crypto Kitties, which it's an early blockchain game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I spent about a weekend just like minting a bunch of Crypto Kitties. Back then, it was a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. And you minted them yourself? Yeah. So if you've never played Crypto Kitties, it's a game where you have to breed these cats with traits. Mm-hmm. And then the objective is to get like rare cats mm-hmm. that are worth more money. <laughs> And then you can sell them. And I probably minted like 40 of them one weekend, you know, just like playing around. Like it costs like a dollar or something, you know, like each transaction. And I ended up minting an extremely rare one, Mm. which was like a total surprise. And I was somewhat proud of myself. I held on to it for a few months and then someone bought it for around four ETH, I think. (laughs) Do you remember what it was at that time? Yeah, at that time it was around $6,000. And so I was like, okay, I definitely need to learn a little bit more about NFTs. <laughs> you know, 
So <laughs> you yeah. made thousand dollars off of curiosity is what it sounds like. Yeah, it was just like a weekend of just having fun breeding these digital cats on the internet. And yeah, I made some cash from it. So then I started getting more and more involved in NFT Twitter and more of the NFT projects that were starting to come out at that time. It was still before the Board Ape Yacht Club and the Cool Cats. And, you know, it was right before they came out and minted their NFT projects. And timeline wise, when was this about? This was 2021? Yeah. So it was early 2021. And, you know, I just continued my exploration into the space. Of course, like at that point, this was post Beeple's sale. And so NFTs had started to gain more mainstream attention, right? And CryptoPunks were kind of like Mm -hmm. the main 10K NFT project. And they were starting to gain attention. They were being auctioned off at Christie's. I think that was like February or so. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. So I took that 4ETH that I made from the CryptoKitties and I put it into some other projects Some of them didn't do that well. Others I did really well with. But anyway, so being a DGEN is short for degenerate, which in... (laughs) Yeah, please describe what (laughs) DGEN means. So in stock trading, in the traditional stock trading world, finance, all that stuff, DGEN trading means that you buy into more risky assets with a higher reward, usually. Mm-hmm. So NFT DGEN kind of like became a thing because these NFT projects were coming out, people were buying into them, trying to make a lot of money really quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were in the pandemic. Many of us were still locked inside of our homes, like not really doing a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And this sort of like online world exploded. I've also heard other people describe the term degen, meaning decentralized generation, Mm. which I think is pretty interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah, I hadn't heard it until recently, and I thought it was pretty cool. An an NFC artist put it in that context. And I guess for people who are kind of new to crypto, decentralization is really like one of the main aspects of crypto and NFTs. Meaning that the finance system or that crypto finance is not centralized, it's decentralized. And so are these NFT projects. Mm -hmm. So decentralized in the sense that they're essentially operating outside of banks and other financial institutions. In theory, recently banks have started to kind of pull their money in in certain crypto assets, but ultimately this financial system is operating outside of like more institutional money movement. (laughs) That's the best way I can think to describe it. Well, very cool. I love hearing about the DJ community and culture. Yeah. So slight shift. How would you describe digital art in that context? Is it all NFTs? Well, I mean, from what I'm familiar with, like I'm really into the NFTs. I wasn't into digital art a whole lot prior to learning about NFTs. So I'm not entirely sure. I know Christie's and and the other auction houses, I believe, have had 
divisions that are focused on digital art for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But, you know, NFTs obviously changed the game and blockchain as well, because you can now like own a unique digital asset, whereas before it was just an image mm-hmm. uh, that could be projected or viewed on the internet, on your phone, on your computer. It even turned, I think, digital art, like JPEG, TIFF, still images or videos and before's, whatever, those digital art creations. Like you said, it, it now sort of makes them assets, especially if you, you mint them in this sense. I, I think that NFTs have the capacity to legitimize digital art too, is how I've sort of seen it. So that's interesting that you mentioned that or that you're seeing that connection. Yeah, I feel like it definitely legitimizes it in the sense of like the art world where it can be traded and and sold and auctioned, whereas before that wasn't quite the case. And artists can now monetize their work more autonomously. So through marketplaces, they can earn royalties on each sale. Mm -hmm. That was not possible before. You also too, which is how I know you is that you have experience working in traditional secondary market, fine art galleries. So you know excellent art. Do you think there is space for fine art in NFTs? My beliefs about blockchain and NFTs and this whole Web3 world is that we're just in the beginning. And I think that it's going to be pervasive. Like A lot of people believe that Every brand, every company is going to have an NFT in some way in the future. And it's just like social media. Like 30 years ago, brands didn't have a social media strategy. Mm -hmm. Now you can't get by without one, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just going to become more and more ingrained in all aspects. And as far as the traditional fine art world... It's a weird relationship, right? Because NFT art is sort of like anti-establishment in a lot of ways. And that's when a lot of the greatest art movements have come out of anti-establishment. Sure, yeah. Uh, They existed on the periphery in in response to the the more established institutions. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how things evolve. I do think that big legacy brands, legacy galleries, companies, you know, mm-hmm. they're still going to come into the space and they're still, they're probably going to take up a lot of space there. What would you say are the biggest challenges in collecting digital art? I think one thing, like if you're coming into the space and you're wanting to be a collector, you're interested in supporting artists or projects, or, you know, you're doing it as a way to invest and make some money or there's so many ways you can approach it. But I think the biggest challenge that I've faced and I've learned to navigate is understanding the market cycles, especially if you get to know the NFT artists that are in high demand, or let's say you've followed Xcopy or one of the big NFT projects out there, you really like their community or something. You probably don't want to buy in during the top of the hype, you do better to hold back, wait, make sure that what you're investing in, you feel pretty confident in it. And then when we reach another down cycle, that's when you can make your buy, you can get in at a better entry point. 
Do you think that's what much of the hesitation is with collectors coming into the space and they're curious about NFTs and they may even really enjoy some more interesting PFP projects? Do you feel as if that hesitation is tied to this kind of infrequent, unsecure? <laughs> yeah, the volatility. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a huge obstacle for people in their minds. But you kind of have to hold back, watch. But I would also say like jump in and and just start buying crypto because Hmm. that's really how you get a good sense of the market. And you can buy as little as you want. You can dollar cost average every week or something, buy like 20 bucks. Right now is a good time to buy too. Yeah. So... I always tell people if they're trying to get in or they're thinking about it, but they think it's too risky, don't throw in anything that you'd be afraid to lose. That's what everyone says. I think long-term, Bitcoin, Ethereum, I think they're only going to appreciate as a currency. But you have to understand the market and have patience and stick with it. You know, you can't just throw in some money and freak out as soon as you see it like <laughs> starting to go down a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I think that is a challenge for people. Well, on that note, what excites you the most about digital art? And I guess in this case, since you predominantly collect NFTs, what's exciting to you about that? Is it collecting? Is it following the market? <laughs> there um, has to be some thrill aspect in there for you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that really does excite me. Earlier this year, I decided to co-found an NFT project myself. I started connecting with more people in the NFT space professionally. And one of the things about NFTs that I think is just the most valuable thing is their ability to connect you with others in the space. And really talented, smart people, people at, you know, at all different levels of business. A lot of people with talents who just don't fit into regular corporate jobs. So I think that's a really exciting thing for me about the space. Gives people options. Yeah. And I think the art is what's tying everything together. Maybe you come into the space, you're not that passionate about blockchain or the finance, but you know, you want to be a part of this NFT community because it brings you together with other people. And I think also, too, the pandemic sort of showed all of us that whether or not we acknowledge it, community is such an important part of life and it makes life worth living. And to have that stripped away in a matter of a few months, ongoing still for a couple years, going to three years, it seemed to be some kind of urgency around finding some community somewhere. And since now everyone's chronically online because we have to be, it seems like online communities, especially NFTs, it was ripe to happen, to kind of take off. So it totally makes sense that community is such an important part of, well, why you do this and why it excites you. And artists, physical artists even, wanted to find some kind of outlet for their creations, for expression. If they were put out of their studios, now they have to figure out how to create art without these kinds of materials that they're used to working with. Plus, because of that, many artists 
sort of come together and work together, collaborate, sort of do all these things that we understand to be really important parts of an artist community. How do you think Web3 NFT space served artists and creators? Yeah, definitely. I think it's given a lot of artists an opportunity to build community and relate with other artists online. And you mentioned how some artists can be disadvantaged, you know, by not either not having the space to work. And I wanted to mention, I know an NFT artist who she has a physical disability. And mm-hmm. so picking up canvases, moving things, you know, like actually doing physical painting, which is something that she did for a long time. Mm-hmm. It just became too difficult for her. And this became the best way for her to create. I'm so glad that you you mentioned an artist who has physical disability and was able to find community, not only community, but another way to create through digital art. That's really incredible. I also think that pretty soon, if it hasn't already become clear in the Web3 space, that the conversation around able-bodiedness and how those with not only physical disabilities, but also mental disabilities or illnesses Mm -hmm. find these online spaces and ways of working and ways of connecting and interacting with other users Mm -hmm. really valuable and it adds to their their life and their production. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. I feel like a lot of people get turned off by the lack of physicality of Mm -hmm. NFTs Mm -hmm. and you know they don't understand why you would buy something and not put it on your wall or experience it physically. And I think it's just a barrier that some people are just grappling with. And the fact that a lot of people do see value in it and and understand that we're kind of changing the landscape of how you experience art and how you trade or, or sell. So it's really interesting. But Yeah, I think that there's a lot of use cases for NFTs, definitely. So a year from now, what will the future of digital art look like to you? It's hard to say because you know how fast the space can move and everyone knows how volatile things can be. You know, there's hype cycles and then there's bear markets. I do think that we're going to progress into... NFTs and Web3 becoming more mainstream. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to take time. And we're probably going to go through low periods where people are not that interested. But if the number of really big businesses and brands coming in the space is any indication, I mean, we have like Disney, Adidas, there's a ton of luxury brands like Prada, Gucci. I think that's an indication that most big brands are trying to figure out what their NFT or metaverse strategies are. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think about that? How do you feel about these larger Web2 corporations and companies coming into the space as a DJ and collector? It's a clash, right? Because like I mentioned before, NFTs are anti-establishment in a lot of ways, but it is exciting when you see the big brands coming in and it validates things at Mm -hmm. the same time. You know, when Visa bought a CryptoPunk, people lost their minds in the space. You know, it was like, we're being validated. So 
It is what it is. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think that there's going to be some tension between centralized and decentralized, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can't say I know what the landscape is going to look like in five years or in six months. I am looking forward to the merge, which if listeners don't know what the merge is, Ethereum is going to be moving from proof of work to proof of stake. And it's going to become more and more deflationary over time. And so the price of Ethereum is probably going to go up. There's a lot of expectation about this and how things will play out and if it's done well. So that could really significantly change the NFT space for a while. Yeah, it'll be a little like less extractive. I think that's some concern for people. Too. So the merge will be really exciting. We're an ETH platform for the, for the most part. Yeah, so it's exciting. And as a founder of an NFT project, we've been working on this project for a while. It's called True Stars. And we want to empower people to be their true selves. And I've learned a lot through the process of creating this NFT from the art, you know, mm-hmm. finding the artist, doing the concept, uh, putting the team together, and then we hit the bear market and we were like, well, it's a little too risky to launch. The last thing you want to do is like launch a project and then there's no liquidity and it just gets stuck. So we're biding our time. We're waiting until I think post-merge, things are going to be a little bit more exciting. And then when ETH stabilizes again, mm-hmm. it'll probably be a better time to enter for a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that is the exciting thing. And it's also the challenging thing of working in this space, you know, mm-hmm. you have to roll with it. When does the merge happen? They did their first test, uh, I think like a week or two ago. Sorry, it wasn't their first test, but it was like a successful test. Mm-hmm. And then they announced, I think September 15th and 16th is what they're targeting. So we're only a few weeks away and we'll see how things go. Great. That's so exciting. So as we close, what are your top three pieces of advice for artists or collectors who are just getting started with digital art? Yeah. So I think I mentioned before, if you're really new to crypto, I think it's helpful to try to understand the basics. So go on an exchange, preferably when the market is down, like right now, (laughs) Um, It may go down further. We don't know. But I always tell people to start off just dollar cost averaging, you know, put in what little extra money you have, like once a week or something, go to Coinbase or Crypto.com. There's a few different exchanges that are easier for beginners. And just start, I would say, dollar cost averaging Ethereum. I tell people... Ethereum because I just think it's a little bit more accessible than Bitcoin, but also it's going to be a little bit more stable than a lot of the other smaller coins because it has a use case and it has an application with NFTs and smart contracts. There's more versatility. For sure. Yeah. So I would say try that out a little bit. If you're interested in NFTs, either collecting or becoming an NFT artist, get on Twitter join some other NFT communities, see what other people are doing. So jump right in? You know, you kind of have to jump right in. But um, (laughs) 
I mean, don't sink a bunch of money into anything. But <laughs> sure. you, can still, you can still explore without risking. I'd also say get on LinkedIn. If you're an individual who's interested in the space, if you're an artist, if you're a collector, I think there's a lot going on on, on LinkedIn right now and Web3. And I would say as an artist, like just start putting some stuff out there, sharing what you're creating. Mm-hmm. People are looking for it. You know, they, they're interested. But yeah, there's lots of ups and downs. So don't feel like you missed an opportunity. If you feel like things are blasting off, usually there's another opportunity to get in. If you're trying to collect or maybe you're trying to launch a project or you're trying to put your art out there. Mm-hmm. What do you think about money sort of cycling back into the ecosystem, the Web3 ecosystem, or even more quote-unquote localized communities within the NFT space? There was a period, I want to say six months or so ago, so a lot of conversations about reinvesting in your community or reinvesting into the artists that you already know, reinvesting into the artist network that you already have. For example, an artist who has a friend who also is an artist, whenever they have an auction sale, they buy one work or they pull together their group of friends with their combined ETH, they'll buy their artist friend's work for one to two ETH. What do you think about that for, with regard to the economics of artist networks in NFT space? I guess like in a broader sense, when there's more liquidity, it funnels into everything. So a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And that's usually the case with NFTs. It seems stronger in the Web3 communities. Yeah. Well, I think it's because it's really such a small space. So you really notice fluctuations. Mm -hmm. But what I was trying to get at is when ETH goes up Mm -hmm. and people, you know, and institutions start buying in and the market starts to pump a lot more, you'll notice NFT prices start to drop because people get afraid. They don't want to hold their NFTs. Mm. Uh, They want Ethereum or Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. They want more currency rather than assets. Right. They want liquidity. So usually when liquidity pours in and the market goes up, NFTs temporarily will either go down or they'll kind of go sideways. Mm -hmm. And then once ETH stabilizes again, that's when it's like NFT fever casino, you know, (laughs) and your friends are like trying to get in the next uh, people, X copy, whatever. There's all kinds of opportunities there, right? Yeah. To us, it seems like conventional wisdom Mm -hmm. to buy. The market is slow and don't buy when it's high. That to us, again, seems like conventional wisdom. However, people who are coming into the space, I mean, even people who have 401ks usually let another company sort of take care of that for them. It's sort of the same thing (laughs) where, you know, some people, if they have disposable income, they've bought a fair amount of a currency, whether it's ETH or Bitcoin, depending on what's their flavor, honestly, Mm -hmm. or, or blockchain network. But there are also people when they come into NFTs in the space and we're talking currency and fee, like it's not fiat. They hardly know what that means. Right. <laughs> then to kind of dump this thing, NFTs, they're essentially an asset 
in many different ways. It's a cultural asset, actual financial asset. It's an asset in a lot of ways, but to kind of throw this this at them on top of the technology uh, seems scary. It's not. (laughs) It's really quite simple, but it does seem scary initially. We could totally get into a conversation about onboarding collectors and artists and what that looks like, which is a whole other can of worms in itself, how companies are handling onboarding, how communities are handling onboarding in their way. It can sometimes look like an indoctrination, but that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people don't like the term onboarding. I don't, I think I'm impartial to it, honestly. I mean, it is what it sounds like. So um, yeah, I think we, as Sachi, we sort of take the mentality of it being educational. We see it as an opportunity for artists who would like their royalties, an opportunity for artists to experiment with another medium. We see it as a chance for them to be able to explore that and we're able to offer it. So to us, like onboarding, quote unquote, is really just more education for our artists and creators and even a way for them to maximize their profit. Yeah, we're really passionate about that. Yeah, I wanted to mention just really quickly, I don't know if you saw the sale. It was kind of out of nowhere. It was like an X copy that's just sold for like $800,000. It was one of their pretty obscure works, I think. And someone broke down the sales over the last, I think, few years. I think it was minted in 2019. It sold for like 170 something dollars. And then in 2021, it sold for $4,000. And then recently, it sold for $800,000. And the artist made $80,000 off of that sale on the back-end royalties. And no artist in the traditional fine art world has that opportunity, you know? So it's just another example of how this whole crazy new application is just changing everything or has the potential to if people learn how to use it, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. So that's all we have time to cover today. But before we wrap, if people want to follow you, where should they go? So you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is E-L-I-M-Y underscore G-M. And you can also find my NFT project, True Stars. It's also on Twitter. It's just True Stars NFT. I think those are probably the best ways. You can also find me on LinkedIn. My name's Emily Carrig, and I'm probably the only Emily Carrig with like a cartoon profile picture <laughs> on LinkedIn. So you need to find. Well, thanks again. And we're really looking forward to see what True Stars is going to look like. And good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. Thanks for listening to the Future of Digital Art podcast brought to you by Saatchi Art. If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and leave us a rating or review. If you'd like to find out more about Saatchi Art's first ever art NFT collection, The Other Avatars, or to engage with Saatchi Art as an artist, please visit www.saatchiart.com forward slash NFT. Thanks, and I'll catch you again on the next episode.